this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast, coming to you from the sunny and the beautiful downtown Phoenix, Arizona, here in the Pell Horse Media Co. Studios, the home of the safety misfits, the safety outlaws, the safety others, the safety anti-heroes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Before we jump into today's episode, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at The Hop Nerd, except for Twitter, because it is a super duper special. It is at The Hop Nerd 1. And if you want to find me on the gram, on the Instagram, you want to slide into the DMs or anything like that over there, it's just Sam U. Goodman. You'll, you'll see me. You'll see my ugly mug. You'll see The Hop Nerd stuff. It, it, I'm super easy to find. And LinkedIn. I, I probably, I know it's weird, but I'm probably more active on LinkedIn than anything else. I think that's what they call adulting. I, th- I think that's what it is. When you evolve from Facebook and Instagram and uh, what uh, TikTok and uh, you know, all that stuff, and then you're just like, I'm just do LinkedIn. That's adulting. I, I, I think so. I, I, I'm taking it. I'm taking that as a win for becoming an adult. I don't know. I'll, I'll just leave that there. But today's podcast is super duper 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 awesome. And it had a ton of technical difficulties, and it was done on the road, and the audio quality is all kind of wacky, and I, I still love it. I'm <laughs> just saying that I still absolutely love it because it's with one of my near and dear friends and someone that I respect a ton in this world, this wonky world of safety, Mr. Brent. Charlton. So today is going to be awesome. We talk about a little bit of everything. We talk about Brent's podcast, which is called Safety Reflections with, you guessed it, Brent Charlton. You should go listen to it. I love it. It's this like little snippet podcast of just a few minute long episodes. And Brent's just awesome. He just shares some really, really, really great and valuable stuff. But again, you're going to hear some hard cuts and you're going to hear <laughs> some wacky audio quality. Brent was traveling. I have been in the process of moving. If you follow along with the vlogs, which if you're not, you should be. Go check them out. I'll post them on LinkedIn, but they're 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 mostly on the Hop Nerd YouTube channel. Again, pushing those things out at least about once a week right now. We're going to kind of see how that goes, but they're super duper 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 good. If I do say so myself, eh, there you go. I'll take, take my word for it. <laughs> go check those out. Um, but I've been in the process of moving, and so I wasn't here at the studio. I had to do do this podcast just the old school zoom way through the laptop Brent did the same thing from a hotel room and it was it was still a great conversation let me just say that it was just still an amazing conversation quality issues aside I had some glitches he had some glitches we're both trying to scream at each other through our laptops and yeah yeah, there you go. But the the backstory, even with this, which, which we'll touch on a little bit, though, is that we have been trying to get together for like a month. So at this point, we're just like, we'll just just do it. We're just, we're just gonna make it happen. And here you go. I'm gonna shut up. Here's me and my dear friend Brent reflecting. Welcome back. All right, glad to be here. It's awesome to have you here. I'm, 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 we have to tell a little bit of the backstory that we've been trying to make this happen for. Probably a few weeks now, at least, right? Three, three, three weeks, probably. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's mostly it's mostly my fault that it has taken this long. To yeah, well, I think I canceled once, and you canceled once. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
that here we are. So life gets in the way, right? And exactly and all that stuff. We're we're making it happen. We're we're adapting and we're overcoming and we're we're making it work. And uh, just just as you and I were chatting about, I'll let everyone else out there know that it might sound a little different today because I'm not on my microphone. I'm, I'm we moved. We're in this new place trying to figure this out. So I'm stuck on my regular laptop. And uh, Brent is traveling as well, so he's he's hanging out talking. I'm assuming just through your regular laptop. So I think it'll be okay. I think it'll work out. I don't I don't think anyone yeah. will have any problem any problem with it. Half a dozen they can get Marcus played and and go on right. Yeah. So. <laughs> unsubscribe. That's good. <laughs> no, no, not unsubscribe. Just get just get this episode come right. Back. Well, and and speaking about that, you know, I, I think everyone. I won't even ask you for an introduction because we did that before. And so if anyone doesn't know who you are, they could, they should go back and, and listen to, to our original yeah. episode or find you because I seem to see you everywhere nowadays, which is kind of sort of cool on LinkedIn, right? So all, all over yeah. LinkedIn, I see you interacting and having these awesome conversations and just all kinds of cool stuff. So if anyone yeah. wants to find out who you are, they can definitely, definitely do that. But the first thing that I wanted to ask you about, since we were kind of talking about podcasts, is you started a podcast. So yep. what made you want to jump into this crazy world of safety well, podcasts? Yeah, actually I was invited. Um, Dr. Linda Martin, who probably, if they're familiar with you, they're probably familiar with Linda. Um, I was doing these social media safety minutes for the company Facebook page. And uh, just uh, as another method to address the employees. And, and I was then sharing those on LinkedIn under my name. And Linda called me one afternoon and said, hey, can I rip the audio off that and make a podcast? And we'll come up with a name for it and, and that stuff. And sure, I didn't see any downside to that. And uh, I just try not to mention the company name and that kind of thing. You know? But then, uh, you know, I've done a, a few now that just just the audio just for the podcast with some some ideas. And we're calling it Safety Reflections. Because it's usually a, a minute or two on something that I don't know if you want to say pissed me off, but something that got my attention that I think's not right or could be better or whatever. So it kind of, kind of actually goes back to those sucks of safety conversations and you know seeing things that are happening and going, well, this is not right. You know, like I, I see somebody post that all safety professionals are weak and don't stand up, and I'm like, all really, dude? Yeah, all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> So that, that's kind of how it came about was just almost by accident. Well, I've got to tell you that they're killer and they're awesome. Thank and you. I really appreciate the fact that they're just a few minutes long. I, I think that's it's So coming from the perspective of people, people that listen to my show, um, they know they, they have a, they have a very polite term for it. It's called long winded. And I like to just go and go. And I look up and it's like 45 minutes later and I was shooting for 10 <laughs> You know, and I, I don't edit, right? So, yeah. like, I'm not I'm not going to edit this thing. I, I'm going to say I've probably got a quieter, more low-key personality than Sam Goodman does. So it, it's easy for me to keep it. <laughs> well, but, but, but where, I, where I was going with this is, is they're so um, they're so just on point, right? Now I, I think that's that's what I really appreciate appreciate about it when I, when I listen to it. Now the bummer to that is that I turn it on in my car. And I, I make it to the stop sign out from my house and it's over. I, I've got to find something else, you know, to, 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 to carry me through the rest of my, you know, 30 minute commute, which isn't as fun. But what's nice about it is it's 
it's this little morsel of just awesome stuff. And to be able to just get that little, it, it's, it's thought provoking, right? You, you yep. cover it, you, you, you find a way to, what would take me 45 minutes to try to put into words. <laughs> you find a way to squeeze it into that, still be clear, still be you know concise, yeah, but then share the something that's, that's thought that's thought provoking. Yeah, it, it's most of the ones I listen to. I can't. They they've always left me thinking, you know. And and that's that's such a positive thing for. Well, that's what kind of when we started this was kind of what the goal was. Was I I just I want people to think. You know, think about what you're saying on LinkedIn. Think about what you're doing. Um, you know, I've got one coming out. You and I had the conversation on LinkedIn about those uh, pictures and videos that safety professionals put, and then everybody's like, you know. Oh, I would never do that. That never happens on my site. So I've got a, a short coming out on some opinion on that and, and why I think that's the wrong thing to do or the wrong approach. And so just want to see stuff that I think, you know, that ain't right. So that's something out there with a, a different way of looking at something, things. You you bring up a really interesting point, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that all of our safety practitioners out there that are listening can relate to this this kind of this weird dynamic that exists between safety professionals this this thing in, in intercompany outside of the company right that you might may or may not work for um where we have this this almost pissing competition yeah. between safety practitioners where as you said it, you, you especially if you have another safety pro come to one of your locations and you kind of almost scold other safety professionals for how could you not see how could you have not this never my site oh I'm, I'm everywhere and all always there and it's amazing i'm just whoosh, just take care of business all the time you know and I, it's my super safety vision catches everything how could yours that, not yeah it's such I a wild thing yeah, to i got see. news for you it is happening on your site because <laughs> your people are just as sure, working, and they are all trying to get the job done so and and on top of that We've probably all done the same stupid stuff. So I told you, here's technical difficulty, number one. Here it is. Had to slice and dice right here. So Brent's internet dropped, and now we're going to jump right back in. All right, so this is going to be a first for your podcast. I, you know what happened? It's been exactly 24 hours since I first logged into Hampton Inn internet, and it just... Uh, <laughs> well, at least the technical gremlins, at least yeah. you know what they are. Most of the time, I just kind of hit it. I hit it a couple times and it starts working. And yeah. I just kind of forget yeah. about it. I had to uh, <laughs> had to log back into the Hampton Inn uh, internet connection and get <laughs> to go. So for so for everyone that got that hard cut there real quick, we had some technical yeah. difficulties, but we're back. We're, gonna, we're, we're back again. We're, we're back. back at it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so strange that dynamic that exists, and it's 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 almost as if we find ourselves in this kind of observation competition. Yeah with each other that my, my, my highly trained and seasoned eyes sees, can see risk that yours simply cannot. And a lot of times, you know, those safety practitioners, those, those same safety practitioners that seem to kind of take that stance, apply that down to their workforces as well. And they kind of go down this path of kind of setting up all these roadblocks because their all knowing brain and eyes will see risks and hazards or certain tasks are too, too important for lowly craft workers right. to, to handle. Right. Um, I, I just saw a video this afternoon. They're uh, bragging a trench box with a track hoe with two guys in there. And, you know, what, well, what do you see wrong with here? Well, I know nothing about 1926, but I know that looks like shit. And I'm, I'm thinking that's not a very good idea. Um, 
but I don't, I don't feel this need to show how much smarter I am than all the other practitioners out there. Um, you know, we all see what we see. And I, my hope is that they're not like what I think what you just meant was they're not talking to their people that way, you know, but yeah. less telling more asking, you know, tell me about what you're, yeah. tell me about what you're doing here. Um, tell me about your job, what you're doing. Uh, you know, gee, do you see any hazards? What are you doing about them? Cause I'm not a craftsman and, and even people that came from the trades that, that are safety practitioners, they aren't expert at every trade that's out there. So, um, you know, ask and listen more than, more than telling, I think it gets you a lot farther. Well, and so much of that seems to be this idea of, um, kind of understanding that you don't understand. Exactly. Right. You know, because a lot of us did come up through some trade, through through something, right? The, so something with our hands before we, most of us, yeah. uh, kind of before we found our way into this world. Um, and it's even that, it's even understanding that for sure, even a, a craft that you might be pretty familiar with, you're still not that person in those shoes doing that job right now. Right. Yeah. And if you've been out five years or 10 years or in some things, even a couple of years, the technology and methods and tools have changed since you were in the boat. So, hey, you know, I won't say give them a break, but give them a break. Yeah. You know? but it's, it's for me, it's this, it's, it's approach, right? I mean, you know, the kind of back to what we we're just talking about a lot of times, we approach from this idea that we are somehow more knowledgeable than the folks that, that put their hands on things for whatever right. reason. Right. Um, and when we, when we're kind of starting from that position, it just doesn't seem like anything good can, can grow from that. You know, if we start from the position of understanding that we really don't understand a lot and that everything that that person is doing makes complete and total sense to them. That's not saying that we don't have valuable input. I mean, as you said, you know, we can look at something and go, well, that kind of looks dumb. <laughs> We can, yeah. say, we can say that in our head. We can say that part in our head. In our head, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I can still say, explain to me what you're doing here. And, yeah. you know, let them explain and ask some questions. Well, here's what I see. And here, here's what we really need. Can you, how, how can we, can we find some common ground here to, you know, maybe a little tweak in what you're doing or, you know, or maybe what you're doing looks bad to me because I don't know, but it's perfectly fine. That, right. that, that's a possibility too. It's, it's uh, that, it's, it's, it's asking you know, getting into those better questions, you know, how did we get to the point of this making sense? Yeah. Right. Rather than saying, well, you're stupid for doing it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we kind of just, as, as humans, that's kind of where we automatically go is, well, that person must just be dumb or they must have some form of ill intent there. And that's the reason that they just don't care enough about safety if they cared more, they would have never put their lives and their, their coworkers' lives at, at risk or, or at risk of physical harm. They would have never been inside of that trench box, right, as a, as a good example. Um, yeah, there's, who knows there's, the pressures that, that those folks have at that particular yeah. moment or what they're facing? Yeah, and we don't know what that is, and we don't know what they've been taught is okay. And, you know, maybe Joe's doing that because Sam, who's been there 30 years, showed him. And mm -hmm. Sam's been doing it wrong for 30 years, or doing it unsafely. I'm not going to say wrong because yeah. I'm not going to judge right and wrong, but maybe Sam's been doing it some way that's that's unsafe for all those years. So I, th I think you hit a really important thing. You know, so much of that stuff is is passed down, oh, yeah. the, the, the good and maybe the not so great. 
um, or, or maybe not even not so great, but the stuff that might carry a little bit more increased risk that we yep. might be able to go a little bit of a different direction and get rid, get rid of a lot of it, you know? Yeah. So even much of that is passed good, uh, yeah, Even places where we've got good mentor programs, you, you got to make sure your mentor is teaching the right things, right? And not just the, the you know, the cartoons you see that, uh, you know, this is not this is not how we're trained, but this is how we do it around here. Kind of right, thing. right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's where so much of that gets passed down. Like you said because that, that dynamic does exist. I can't think of an organization, you know, where that where that particular dynamic doesn't exist. At least not ones that I've been pretty involved with, because you know we we go down this kind of command and control model of just extreme rules and extreme punishments for not following said rules. Um, so you you do develop that that kind of underground um, that that kind of underground workaround, I guess. Yeah. Says, this is this is I know what the rules say, yeah, but that doesn't work. Right. So we do it this way in this particular situation. Now in this situation, the rules kind of fit. We'll follow them because they fit. But when you move over and you do, you have to work on X, Y, Z. Those rules just don't fit anymore. We can't make it yeah. function under the pressures that we currently have. Yeah. You use uh, you know. You're in power generation and utilities, you know, linemen may do it one way, you know, for general maintenance, but if 3000 homes are without power, they may chuck some of that shit out the window and get it done. Right. So that, yeah. that happens. Well, exactly. So you, I think you, that you, comes from procedures down from on high without ever asking people and understanding what, what it takes to get their job done. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I, I can do it. That's such a great you example. You can do it any way you want to. There's so many of those. Yeah, if you've got a better way, that's fine. Yeah. And, uh, it's got to be a little humble sometimes. And that's that's such a great example because, I mean, you see those in PowerGen in particular, right, where you do have those situations where you have a, a critical a critical needs customer, right, where you, you can't just ditch power. Right? You can't just go, well, we're just going to take an outage right. on that. Right? There's You, you just can't. Right. You're, you know, government, government buildings, hospitals, municipal stuff. Right. There are certain things that just they don't go. It doesn't go well if they lose electricity. <laughs> again, yeah. most uh, I think it goes back to a lot of the professions. And it, this isn't this obviously isn't just pigeonhole to power gen. But in these areas where, you know, craftsmen are very proud of the things that they do. They're, they're proud to keep the lights on in this particular in this particular example. You know, and they don't want to be the person that this is we're just going to take an outage too. Yeah. And that's, you know, same thing with, with our guys. I mean, it's, they take pride in keeping the foundry up and running and in minimal downtime, but some things, you know, electric uh, stuff is a good example, you know, asking to work stuff hot and say, well, you know, can it wait until um, lunchtime or can it wait until Saturday when we're down? Does it have to be right now kind of thing? And, you know, yeah. planning uh, rather than putting yourself at risk. Hey y'all, me again. With technical difficulty, number two, big technical catastrophe, which was a salesman pounding on my door. So, yeah, look, these things are real. This, this is real life. This is real life, people. Here we go. Let's jump back in. So, again, hard cut, hard cut. We're jumping back into it. We're, 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 yep. we're, we're, we're bubble gumming and duct taping this podcast together. Like I said at the beginning, we just moved in. And so I've been here a day, and I'm already getting salesmen at the door. They're, they're out here hustling <laughs> <laughs> oh man but to, but to kind of pick up a little bit kind of where 
where Asa rudely interrupted us, um, it's really leaning into this idea, you know, that uh, of local rationale, right? That that people do things that make sense to them at the time with the particular set of information that they have in front of them. And for me, that's been the hardest part, uh, I think, to get, I'll just say others within our, within organizations that we serve, other safety practitioners that I don't even like using the word like, traditional safety because it's such a hot buzz topic right now. Yeah, traditional new view. But getting folks to understand that context really matters a lot. And it seems to be, at least in the safety space, that we try to avoid context at all costs. So we try to pull out the kind of extract context, kind of chuck it in the bin, and then just try to view every situation as black and white. And there's a lot of this conversation that I've been having um, with friends and, and peers and, and a lot kind of um, with my friend, now co-author Ian Allison, we've been having this conversation a lot about trying to drive safety back towards science, right? The context matters and it matters a lot. This particular situation, even if it's the exact same task at the exact same time, time of day, is still different than what it was yesterday. Yep. <laughs> and, and starting to get that understanding that where we should be investigating when stuff when stuff goes wrong, right? My air quotes wrong when, when we have a poor outcome. You know, we should really be digging into the context that surrounded the event because so often we spend so much time on the event itself, on the outcome of the event, and that's really one of the more boring parts of what happened, yeah. right? Yeah. And and really, you know, until everybody started labeling things, which I think is more related to being able to sell a product than making safety better, uh, but that's conversation for another day. Going out and talking to people, well, black and white is easier for us, right? The people it sucks for is the people we're supposed to be serving. Uh, but black and white's easy for us. And I, I even um, uh, even lockout violations. I don't. I've, I've used to be. Uh, they're not locked out. You know, they're out of here. Well, suspension, second. You know, they're out the door for good because you're not going to hurt yourself in my watch. But I've come around more the last few years to why especially if a guy says, yeah, I know I was supposed to lock it out. Why didn't you? Was it a time pressure, um, implicit or explicit, hurry up kind of thing? Um, have, is our design made it so damn inconvenient that that your your incentive is to not lock it out? And I don't know if I told this story before, but when I worked in scrap, we had a guy uh, not locking out a conveyor belt on the shredder and uh, automobile shredder. So um, this is, Bell was constantly plugging up. It's got all the foam and all that crap from the cars. And number one cause downtime. Well, they've been hammered on downtime. Well, we found a guy not locked out, clearing the jam out of the conveyor. Well, firing. Well, let's talk to him a little bit. What we found out is the uh, disconnect to lock it out is up the stairs, two flights. And because that's where the motor and the head pulley is. So he's up the stairs, lock it out, back down, clean it out back up, unlock it, turn it on, up, still jammed, you know, lock it out. And, you know, once or twice maybe, but he'd done that four or five times that day. So, yeah, I get why he said, looked around and said, you know what, this son of a bitch is not going to start. I'm just going to clean it. And he got caught. So, but you understand that why. And we spent a couple hundred bucks and put a disconnect at the bottom of the stairs and everything's cool. They'll lock that out every time for the rest of their days. And it's, it's, it's back to that idea of making it easier to be safe than just to be unsafe. Yeah. Right. right. It's, it's, a, it's such a simple thing to say. It's harder in practice. 
Yep. But it's, instead of trying to complicate something that's so valuable to us, trying to make it easier. Right. And that, yeah. that's not that's that's not a call to try to simplify things that are complex, but it's just saying that there should be less barriers to entry there, right? To the, like you said, moving that disconnect into a position to where you you have to walk through it basically to get <laughs> yeah. to it. It is right there. It it just kind of gets it, it puts that particular situation where it's just like a dutch right there. Just click, I'm done. I'm, I'm yep. just going. Right. It's, it's done. Yeah. And you just do it. It just becomes automatic. And I have to think yeah. about it. I don't have to think about that. I really want to climb that stairs for the 10th time today because um, it's there and we made it easy. And, yeah, and the, 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 we all know that that safe is not always convenient. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. So we can work to, to make it more comfortable or more easy or whatever. Yeah. And people do the right thing. It's, it's you know, there's, there's so many examples of, of exactly that. Um, even the, the one that that I hear tossed around a lot, and I toss around a lot too, is just the example of ladders, right? You have employees that are standing on buckets to reach stuff. You have them standing on chairs. Yep. And then when you actually go out to, to figure out, you know, it's so easy just to go, well, that's an awful employee, right? Because who would stand on a bucket? How how dare they? Again, yep. we, we, always, we always try to tie it back to their level of care. Like, right. Right, like they don't care that they might fall off a bucket and get injured. I'm, they, I'm, I promise you, anyone listening, I promise you 100%, they care. <laughs> they they yeah. care a lot. They care a lot. Uh, if, if if they're to the point of just not caring, you don't have a safety problem. Exactly. You might want you to have a different kind of problem. Yep. yep. <laughs> kind yep. Of problem. But in, instead, of, instead of going out and actually figuring out how we get to that point, a lot of times we stay so focused, overly focused, on the most boring part, we, we stay focused on the behavior. The behavior is really just symptomatic. It's just boring, right? There's nothing really to dig deeper into rather than going out to our facilities or out into our plants or out into our yards and going, well, it's kind of obvious. We have three ladders. <laughs> we need more ladders, right? Where the ladder is a mile that way. We need ladders over here too, because you get in that situation where you're going, I really need to get this done. I want to get it done. I'm not even. Uh, I'm not even being beat to get it done. I just want to change that stupid light bulb that's been out for a year. But I'm all. I'm here, and I don't want to walk ten miles that way to get a ladder when there is a perfectly safe and sound chair yeah. <laughs> right here. One step up is all I need. I need one step. One yep. step. Or, or if you can't, your six foot step ladder at home and standing two rungs down, you can't quite reach that light bulb. I would bet a paycheck that even the smartest safety professional in the world is going to stand on the top or up one more step if it means changing that light bulb or not. Yeah. Well, it's for me, it's this kind of idea. It's, it's back to exactly what we we're just saying that we want to take something that is extremely complex in our organization, which is safety. It's extremely complex. We do a lot of other things to complicate it, which makes matters a, a lot worse. Right. Right. But we, we take something that's extremely complex and we try to solve complexity through simplification. Right. We, we think that we're going to that we're going to fix all of our safety problems just by getting to the point of simplifying it down to. And where we often go is, as we said, behavior, because it feels good. Right. It feels good to find the villain. Right. That person doesn't care as much as I care or they would have never done that. So we assign intent. We like to label people. And then obviously the way that we fix that, if we're dealing with a bad person, we treat them like a bad person. 
we get rid of the bad person or we send the bad person outside of the village to wait for three days off without pay. And then we, we bring them back and then we put them in front of the crowd to tell everyone about how sinful they were against their safety programs. And now all is well in the kingdom. I'll, I'll challenge anybody to find me a person that doesn't care if they lose a finger or doesn't care if they lose an eye. Yeah. Find me that person. It's so and I, I have this conversation of a ton with people and it's this because that's so often, especially when we have something really not great happen, right? When we have someone that loses a finger, loses an arm, losing an eye or worse, right? We, we, we suffer a fatal event. Then so often our, our messaging, right? And words matter a lot to our employees. Right? It matters a ton. The way that we respond matters and it matters a lot. So often we go immediately down this path of saying they should have been more aware. They should have, they should have just paid more attention. Their coworkers should have cared more about their friends not dying at work. Now we, we say it, we say it a lot nicer than that. <coughs> yeah. But when you peel back the layers, what we really get, what, what, the, where we're, what we're really saying is this, we're really saying that bad stuff happens to bad people. And yeah. if this person would have been a better person, better employee, they would have never lost awareness. They would have seen into the future that this was going to kill them and they would have stopped it or their coworkers would have stopped it. And this would have never happened. Now, the problem with that is, is you're dealing with folks that already care and care a lot. You're dealing with folks that have a ton of pride in what they do. You're dealing with, with folks that care a lot, not only about themselves, about their coworkers, their, their work family, but they care about the organization typically too, right? And when you take someone that already gives a lot of a damn, and you say, you don't, you don't care enough. The only thing I put in myself in that position, the only thing that makes me do is care less. Right. Right. Like, I'm going, you can't see how much we care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I'm start just, with that. You just made me care less. You, you go back to that assumption that uh, nobody comes to work to do a bad job. And, you know, there's, and uh, you said, and, and Todd said and everything, there, there are those outliers that, you know, maybe there's something criminal or egregious, but mm-hmm. that's not the normal everyday guy or, or gal no, no. just wants to do a good job and draw their paycheck and go home. You know? well, so we, we, we've, we've labeled that. So we, we've, <laughs> in the new book we're working on, we, we, we talked about that because you have to acknowledge that. I think it's safe to acknowledge that. So we called it the shithead clause. And so there's for those folks that hear this, because this will be out well before May, there's something there's a little 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 teaser for you. We called it the shithead clause. And it basically it basically says that, you know, shitheads do exist in our world and we have to acknowledge their existence. They're in a minuscule amount. Ninety nine point nine percent of people are just good people trying to get through life, get work done, make stuff happen, go home to their families and just continue to be good, normal, same people. Right. right. Again, they do, they do things that make sense to them in that particular moment based on what they're working with, the stuff they're seeing, the stuff they're smelling, feeling, all that kind of sort of stuff. But you have to acknowledge that, that, you know, that, that small group of folks does exist. You're going to deal with, you're going to discover people that are swindlers and crooks and, you know, that just lazy. And you're, you're going to find that you will have that, but it's, it's this teeny tiny amount. So first you have to acknowledge that you're probably not dealing with a shithead, right? If, if you okay. come across that employee in your organization, 99% chance they're not a shithead. Now, 
if you are dealing with a shithead, it's kind of back to the point we said before. You're not really dealing with a safety issue. You're dealing with a performance issue. Yep. And the better question is to ask, how did they get to the point of being employed by us anyways if they're a crook, thief, liar? Like, how, how did it get to this point of them working? Now you got an HR <laughs> issue, right? right? They're hiring bad people. Well, so. and it's, it's, it's flipping that over to this, this thought of, you know, discipline, you know, dis, or disciplinary action programs. Um, historically, we've always approached them from this idea of atonement, right? Of, of paying your pound of flesh for your wrongdoings or your sin against the organization. And who, who are we as an organization to punish, right? right. Who, who, are, who are we as organizations to extract a pound of flesh to lash our employees for the bad, get air quotes, bad things that they've done? And it's viewing discipline really kind of standing that on its head and viewing it as a means to safely extract folks from systems that don't belong in said systems, right? And that might be due to the shithead clause. You clearly don't belong here. We're going to remove, we're going to unplug you from here and move you over or out, right? Yeah, if they're just trying to get the job done for you, yeah, better your company and something went wrong, this one just doesn't. If you're, I, I look at this way: if you're sitting in a conference room handing out discipline and feeling bad about, you know, yeah, really feel bad about this write-up, maybe you shouldn't be writing them up. Exactly. Good. Exactly. If your gut tells you it's wrong, Brent. Yeah. It's probably, <laughs> right, right. It's probably wrong. Our, our gut feelings are right more often than they're wrong. I think. And, well, we, you know, we one get of the that. things um, that that triggered us this pot on those pictures was there was a photograph of uh, some guys drywall on the ceiling and it was, I don't know if it was a garage or what it was. The ceiling was too high. The guys got the stilts, you know, they wear and uh, he had a five gallon bucket tied on the bottom of each stilt. And, you know, of course everybody went insane over that, but what if getting that job done that day was the difference between that guy putting food on his family's table or not? Yeah. You know, and, you know, maybe he was told he wasn't going to get paid or it had to get done today and, and the boss didn't leave the right tools or whatever. You know, you just can't. He may be a shithead, but you can't judge that from a damn picture because there's zero context in a picture or a security camera video. Well, in, in all likelihood, like I said, that, that particular situation, we, we don't know. Right. We don't we don't know. But I would I would take again just knowing that the vast majority of people are not. I would I would start from the assumption that they're not, and often we start from the assumption that they are. Right. Right. And we we have to reverse that. We have to understand. We have to start from we have to start from the positioning of trusting people. Right. Understanding exactly what you just said that there's a reason. Yeah. And that that employee didn't just go up and go. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to take these stilts. And I'm going to I'm going to tie buckets to the end of them because that seems like a great idea. Yep, probably didn't come to work thinking that. I'm just going to do it that way because I don't care. I don't care. That's why I'm. I'm just, I just want that. Who cares? I'm just going to put. Because if you think about the, I'm just I'm just imagining this. How you secure five gallon buckets to the end of steel? So that's that's work in and of itself. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? yep. And even with that. You know, I'm sure that that employee would love to have a $5,500 drywall lift, right? Yep. I'm sure that that employee would love to have, you know, crank it up and turn it just how you want it, stick it in the ceiling. It's, I'm sure they would love to have that. But as, again, to, to exactly the point that you were making, who knows? Who knows? You know, and who knows how they ended up in that situation? But as safety professionals, if we are actually there, right, again, you can't tell through a picture. 
But if we're actually there getting ready to have a conversation with that employee, the last thing you want to do is go, hey, stupid, come down here. Let me talk. Right. Let me explain to you why this is right. stupid. Yeah. It should be it should be curiosity. And I think that's what a lot of practitioners lack more than anything else is this idea of just being instead of being judgmental, instead of trying to explain regs or rules or laws and which let's just face it, their employees are they're like whatever. Right. Yeah. It's starting from this place of being caring and curious rather than judgmental and out to discipline, punish, blame, shame, whatever. Absolutely. And that just goes right back to the, tell me what, what you're doing. And, you know, I may, instead of saying, well, do it this way, I, have you thought about this? Yeah. Or have you thought about that? Or what could happen if we do it this way, you know, and, and it may be, well, it's going to take us four hours longer to get it done. Okay, well, let's think about something else. Yeah. And But that conversation, rather than just the, the telling, I mean, you know, stop being a cop and, and being out to punish. But I like that. I like that idea of starting from. You may find out the guy's a shithead, mm-hmm. but you don't start from that kind. It is because we we're almost tuned, and our organizations are tuned, right, to start from distrust. Oh yeah, and and you you see that permeate industries. You see that across across organizations across industries. Um, especially in things that we find extremely valuable, such as safety, right? Um, we start from this position of going, I don't trust you to make the right decisions. So I'm going to give you a checklist, a check sheet that starts from a place of distrust. I'm going to give you rules that start from me not trusting you. I'm going to structure leadership and oversight so that they're always checking on you to make sure that you're doing the right things based off of the rules and the checklist and all these other things. When we catch you, um, you know, violating or we think that you're violating, we're going to do, you know, oversight blitzes. We're going to put 100 managers in the field to watch one employee. We do all this kind of wacky stuff. But it's all because we start from a position of not trusting their employees. And, and the really simple and stupid question to ask is that if you don't trust these people, why are you hiring them? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't trust you, so we're going to put you in this little box. And if you get outside of that little box that we formed up for you with our great wisdom, then we're going to, we're going to boot you out the door. Um, but you know, you, you've heard the term malicious compliance, I'm sure. Um, so, and that can get you to, you know, yeah, and I know the machine's chewing itself up, but you told me to uh, uh, be sure that I stop it by this procedure. Don't hit the e-stop and you know, this and that. And so yeah. I stood there and watched it tear itself to pieces, but I, I, Complied with your rule. Right, I'm, 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 I'm on a four-foot platform. I'm tied off as, as high above as I can with, with my with my six-foot lanyard. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm in compliance. Look at me. I'm up here in compliance, right? <laughs> I'm not breaking a rule to live by. Everything's fine. Yep. Everything's yep. fine. And I'll, uh, you know, full disclosure, I have those rules to live by posted in most of our plants. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot of us do, but... Uh, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm beyond being reformed. <laughs> Those things are still very important, but it's not something I'm automatically fired you for. That's, that's the idea, right? Is um, I've seen a lot of organizations going down this path of, I don't want to call them focus areas. They've got some fancy names for them that I think are trademarks, so I'll kind of leave them kind of to the side. But this idea of rather than viewing them as rules, viewing them as kind of these areas that we know maim and kill, right? Yeah. Like in, our, in our industry, in our, in our plants, in our locations, like these are some heavy hitters. 
for me, for me, it gets towards, you know, um, kind of the idea of sticky, right? The shit that kills you, you know, having a list that goes, you know, in our plants, this right here, these are the things that will eat you up, spit you out, closed casket, not good, yep. right? Yep. This is it right here. Being able to bring that up, have open dialogue around those things is vital, right? It's absolutely vital to, to have those conversations around those. The problem that we run into is that organizations that go, and, and we care so much about you and your family that I would much rather see you in the unemployment line, right, than leaving here on a stretcher. So if I catch you even kind of, kind of violating those rules, out the door, no questions asked. That's just how we roll. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather walk you out than carry you out, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, again, having them as areas, you know, of, again, a focus. I keep trying to avoid the focus word just because it sounds too corporate. Uh, but <laughs> but having them of of areas of say these are these are the things that kill you here. I mean, there's more. There are more. There there are more. But these are kind of the duh obvious ones. Probably not a bad thing. You know, as long as you can create an environment in which honesty is possible, as long as you're not doing anything with those things that will cause people to to be forced to be dishonest with you. Right. Because right. You're, you're never going to overcome. You're never going to overcome a person's sense of self-preservation. Right. It's deep down in their lizard brain. Right? Yep. I'm going to I'm going to preserve my well-being. Um, and if I, if I have a problem in a confined space, as an example, that's one that's usually a heavy hitter for all of us. Right. If I have a problem in a confined space and I had to bend a rule to get a job done and I, everything's fine, I'm fine, everyone survived, not even a close call, everything was good. But if that environment exists where I know that if I if I come forward and explain to, to the organization even why, even if I had a really good reason, if I can't do that, we drive learning into the ground, right? Yeah, and, and it's great. You got to work toward and it's not easy, but work toward creating a climate where, okay, here's, here's the sticky stuff. And if you find yourself in these situations, come talk to us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's asking that question, especially around those things, right? Yeah. So for, for me, it's always been trying to move them, not, not to abandon them, right? But to move them from this kind of rule discipline area, right? More into focus areas for starting when safe. Right. I'm going, well, OK, are any of these things present in what we're getting ready to do? Because if they are not good, we need to we need to figure out a way. What are what are our defenses around these things? Because we know that this stuff can and will kill us. And it's going to hurt the entire time that is doing it, you know, type thing. And you know what I think drives historically what drives us to take that those things and say these are termination type offenses is this idea we're controlling liability. And I think a lot of social practitioners have become liability controllers instead of uh, teammates in, in the safety thing. And the truth is, I don't think, you know, there's any checklist sheet of paper or being able to prove that I fired six people for lockout before this guy killed himself um, kind of thing that, that gets you out of that liability. So cut it out and just care yeah. about people. Yeah, yeah. Get into understand, uh, understanding the fact that around those areas in particular, that the only way that we start to understand where our, our real defenses, our robust defenses are missing, flawed, weak, failed, or failing is through learning. And if we create an environment in which people will not talk to us about those things, 
we need to know, right? The, kind of to the more selfish reason is if folks are out there and they're having to adapt and make do kind of well outside of kind of, um, you know, what, what we know to be kind of sound and safe and operating in a confined space is a good example. And that's yeah. probably something that we would want to know as an organization, not so we can bash and beat up and sh- blame and shame, but well, let's figure out how we cannot do that that way then. Yeah, <laughs> right? let, me, let me help you figure out a different way. Yeah. yeah. All of us together, figure out a different way. Exactly, exactly. And if, if we're creating that environment where that's not possible, right, back to self-preservation, if I know that I'm going to get shit canned for, for bringing yep. this up and going, oh, you know, I, I had to go inside of that limited, that limited approach boundary because, because, you know, I just had to, right, time pressure, whatever, insert whatever there. I dropped a screwdriver and it rolled in there. Yeah, and I kind of... Right. And so to, to not even be able to begin to have that conversation, you're creating silence rather than dialogue and conversation around the things that we know can and will kill people and kill them with frequency within our high risk organizations. Yeah. And silence doesn't mean that stuff's not happening. No, it just means you're not hearing about it. Yeah. We just we, we don't see it. And we go, yeah. all is all is finally well. Our you, you go, finally you go fixed people. You go, you go over there and, and watch for the safety guy, and I'm going to just do this real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start hearing the, the bird calls, you know, through the, yeah. through, through the plan. That's the eagle has landed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, for me, it's that. It's, it's I, I, I tr- uh, kind of back to some of what we're talking about with, like, labeling and, you know, kind of how we call stuff this or that or humorous performance. I, I kind of like, like Decker as kind of just safety differently because it leaves it kind of – pretty open to a lot of different, different approaches. And so we've just been, we've just been saying safety better just for the same reason, right? Because yeah. it's just yeah. open. let's, let's kind of open up to stuff that makes sense and stuff that works. Um, but yeah, this, this, this kind of idea um, of going out and learning not only from, you know, obviously the sharp end of our organization, but going out and kind of approaching safety as almost um, it's kind of overused now, but as almost a buffet, right. To where we kind of look at stuff that works. And where I was going with that was this idea that even rules, this, that, the other programs, blah, 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 whatever stuff in our world that we want to talk about. I try my best to not start from, I try my best to start from a place to where I don't see anything as inherently good or bad. Right. It's, yep. it's all about the culture that we immerse that into and then how it's used within the organization. Right. So just as you're talking about with kind of golden rules, whatever. Right. It's all about what's going to work for that particular organization. Now, I will say that I don't think that taking golden rules and then applying heavy handed discipline around them ever results in anything really great. It, it kind of to, to kind of where we're going. You're just not hearing about stuff anymore. You're right. creating a culture of silence. Right, a culture of, of forced dishonesty. The organization is forcing employees yeah. to be dishonest with the organization. The organization feels great now, but the employees feel terrible, right? But it's it's about taking this, whatever it is, right, and applying it through the right lens, right, and starting from the right position. You know, if, if we have an organization that is that is extremely heavy-handed and disciplined and just kind of really command and control, the, you know, safety folks are kind of put in a position of being kind of baton-wielding cops, and it's just that kind of culture. I'm not sure that you could put anything in that culture and it would come out kind of very right. positive, right? So it's it's about tuning those kind of underlying assumptions and kind of overall workplace culture to begin with. And then as you put stuff in them, 
right? The employees kind of pick them up, you know, your leaders kind of pick them up and go, okay, I know what to do with this. We can make this cool. But yep. if you start from that bad position, you start from distrust, you start with the wrong underlying assumptions, then it, no matter how great this bright and shiny thing looks, as soon as we plug it in, it's like, like just, okay, that went south real fast. <laughs> as long as, long as you've got humans in the process, there's going to be things that change. And, and uh, you know, you hear over and over again, we want humans in the process because they can flex and adapt. Um, sometimes that's a good thing, you know, um, it, it keeps process running and whatever, but like I say, if, if that when they make those adaptations and, and make those flexes that goes into the realm of maybe not as safe as it could be, we, we want to hear about those. You know, I had yeah. to do this or that today. Um, you know, here, here's why I did it and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just, Gotta be there. Well, and I, I think so much of that shift still comes from our kind of redefinition of what safety is, right? And and Todd puts it so great, right? Just in this idea that rather than viewing safety as the absence of accidents, viewing it as the presence of something, we'll just say something, yeah. right? Because yeah. so often the way that most of our organizations kind of measure safety success is this idea that absence of accidents equals safe, presence of accidents equals unsafe. So when we kind of reduce that down, we're just saying that we're outcome-based. Right. Like good outcomes, awesome. Bad outcomes, horrible. Um, and we we never get to the point of understanding that, you know, especially kind of where we were going earlier was we talk about behaviors, we talk about awareness, we talk about all those things, we talk about rule breaking, we talk about drift, we, we talk about all this kind of stuff we forget or, 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 or we haven't been made aware that when you look at good outcomes, you look at bad outcomes, you look at that, that bad outcome, we go back one layer and we go, look, they broke the rules. Look, they forgot this. Look, they, they, they forgot their gloves. Look, somebody somebody yeah. lost attention. So that's why this bad outcome happened. We never look at the successful side and go, well, there's a successful outcome. Wait, we go back one layer. They broke the rules. Yeah. They had, they had, they, had, they forgot their gloves. And, and they, it's, they've lost awareness. It's easy to see that when we know what happened already. Right. Right. Uh, so acknowledging that those, that those not so great human error, which we'll just label it human error, yeah. that understand that human error exists in successful and unsuccessful outcomes. And this idea that really kind of back to the presence of positive things is really making sure that we have present in as many situations as possible, the things that we know typically lead to better outcomes. Yeah. And that uh, somebody, I think it was Rob Fisher, puts puts that on, uh, you know, thinking of it in terms of a control chart. And, you know, there's variation in the process. And these variations that are above the line, even though they're outside the procedure, we celebrate those because they're great. Yeah. Below the line, then we're going to discipline because that's bad. So, yeah, yeah. Both variations, uh, uh, why not? But, yeah, the, the absence of accidents things, I, I use that all the time. And, you know, just because I don't have, haven't had a heart attack doesn't mean I don't have heart disease. Right. But, you know, I, if I have a heart attack, I'm, I'm going to look back and say, well, where did this start? Well, it probably started in my 30s when I quit exercising and quit eating right. <laughs> well, and so it's, it's kind of, it's a really good example because, you know, you start thinking about an example like that, you go, well, I'm, I'm fine. There's, there's no bad outcome. So if, if, if we lived kind of our personal lives, the way that we try to live safety in our organizations, 
if we didn't have heart attacks, we would never, we, we, why would I ever need to go to the doctor and get a checkup? I haven't had a bad outcome. Right. Right. Well, why would, why would I need to take my multivitamin and supplements that are, that, that help my heart? Why would I need, I haven't had a heart attack yet. Why would I ever need to do those things? Yep. Right. We, because we, we tie so much of our life or our organization's life to that bad outcome. You know, as long as that's not there, everything must be fine. But I, I think it was was Hanegel that said that when when nothing is happening and a lot is happening, yeah, I was <laughs> right with with your organizations, <laughs> right? But we, we yeah, you know, and you can even tie that back to kind of kind of the watermelon effect of the watermelon metrics that we see, right? Yeah. That it's all green on the outside, but it's a big chunk of red in the middle, right? So it's it's that right that we go down this path of. of we need to go down this path of almost disconnecting from at, at least almost devaluing the importance of the outcome itself. Right. And I, I know that that for kind of our more traditional folks, that sounds like, Oh my God, scary. You're saying that outcomes don't matter. Of course they matter. Right. We're, we're, we're talking, we're talking about people here. Of, of course they matter, but it's, it's not putting all the value into the negative outcome, right? It's putting more value into the stuff that surrounded that, because the stuff that surrounds that negative outcome is also present in positive outcomes. It's also present in those situations, as you said, where people are deviating, but they're deviating more into a way that we find more favorable, right? Yeah. And, and even in the areas where they're deviating and creating increased productivity, we go, great job. You're getting more, you're more productive. <laughs> I've heard Todd say over and over again, you know, he's not, uh, he says, I'm not particularly interested in the, the accident. Mm-hmm interested in what surrounded that what led up to it and far enough back in the process to say that guy who's hurt you know tell me about uh you know tell me what, about what was going on you clocked in and then what you know kind of walk me through your day well i i listen i listened to todd uh i listened to one of his discussions he was out in phoenix um it doesn't feel like it's been two years but i guess it's about a year and a half two years ago now pandemic time right and yeah it, it could have been five years from, from the <laughs> i don't know what the pandemic time but I heard him say something really similar. That's and Todd's great for that. These kind of kind of mind blowing yep. kind of statements that are also duh at the same time, where you're like, ah, oh, brilliant, right? Why didn't I think of that? Right, where he was he was saying, you know, exact exact thing. He said, yeah, if you put, you know, if you put two trains on one track traveling 80 miles an hour at each other, the fact that they hit each other and blow up and it's this big fiery catastrophe, duh. Yeah, not <laughs> of a sport. Of course, that is the outcome, right? Yeah. Now we focus on that as kind of the the end all be all for everything that we try to dig into, but that should be like the duh moment for us, right? Of, of course that happened. Of course that would be the result in that particular situation. We have to take that back a step farther and go, of course there was human error involved. Duh, we had two trains that went, you know, of course that was there. It's going back farther into that. It even even venturing uh, back into normal work. And that's really the kind of the magic area for us is, okay, what's the normal day look like? Not this day. What, what, what does this just, what's the normal day? The real normal day. I'm, I'm getting ready to kick off my first learning team here in a couple of weeks. And I've got some guys from uh, our mail department and started out with, you know, get them interested because I don't want to tell them you're, you're on this learning team. It's, we're going to talk about your job Teach me about your job, everything that happens, good, bad, and ugly. Not necessarily just focused on safety, but I want to know how your day goes. What do you do? What kind of obstacles do you have? What, what goes wrong? What goes right? 
uh, that kind of stuff. And, and I managed to get four guys to say, yeah, we'll, we'll try that. So uh, I, bet, I bet you're pumped. Are you excited? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. So I'll have to let you know how that comes out. Uh, I'll tell you. So I, I will tell you um, with, within my day job organization um, that always remains nameless, right? Everybody knows who it is, but it's, it remains nameless. Um, they started, we started, we started down this journey. Um, I say we because I was right there when we finally made that decision. We kicked and screamed long enough, written they finally they finally gave in to us to let us go and whatever. Just do it, just shut up. <laughs> but we started down that learning team path, and I remember the first one vividly. And what's amazing with that process, and I'll just say get ready, because once once you go through that, employees come out of that meeting charged up. At least that's been my experience. They come out charged up. They take it and they talk about it. They're like, I was in this meeting and it, it didn't suck. Yep. And like they asked me, like we just had a conversation and this person was like facilitated and it was like kind of cool. Like we got to talk about stuff that was really important and stuff that actually mattered and they listened to our ideas. It was, it was wild. And so we're at the point now, and that's why I say get ready. This is, this is the coolest thing for me. To where I'll be, I'll be at a location and I'll have a frontline leader come up to me and go, Hey, by the way, we did like three learning teams since you were last here. It's been, it's been like two weeks or something. Right? We did like three learning teams and it was great. Just wanted to let you know they happened. Right. That's and it right. gets to the point to where they're just almost, I'm, I'm not saying that we could just walk away from them, but they see the value. Frontline leaders are empowered in, by this idea of going, I, as a frontline leader, I don't have to hold all the answers because my crews probably do. And I can get them together and we can have a piece of suck or a process that we need to even make more efficient, right? It could be something that completely non-safety related. What's amazing to me is so many of the learning teams that I see manifesting in in this particular organization now, I would say probably 60% of them are not even safety related. It's just, this sucks. Let's make it better. Or we're, we're, we're trying to come up with a new something. We're working on something new. We don't have any experience with right? Let's get some people together, some subject matter experts and, and talk about it. And they're doing almost these really kind of low level informal learning teams. That's just amazing to me. Well, that's why oh, I'm trying to raise the interest in them. And like I said, we, we don't want voluntolds in this thing. Um, I said, we're, we're not, I know I'm, I'm the safety director, but I don't necessarily want to focus on safety. I want to, I want to hear about your job as a whole. Yeah. I think the hardest part, I think the hardest part for me will go back to the how we react matters principle mm-hmm. uh, because I, I anticipate hearing some stuff I'm not going to like. Yeah. And uh, rather than, than freaking out to, for me to say, tell me some more about that. <laughs> yeah. that's, 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 that's the, that's the heart of, yeah, that, that's a, that's a huge piece. You just got to be prepared. That's what I tell people, yeah. you know, you have to be prepared to, you had, and for us, again, it makes, it makes a lot of our hearts kind of skip a beat sometimes. But keeping that inside, but that's kind of <laughs> keeping your heart inside your chest is kind of the harder part with it because they will, right? You, you sit there in those meetings and you hear, you hear that employee say, yeah, you know, yeah, this and that. And you, you, you go, you think, oh my God, you know, how, how, what? And then they go, but wait a second, there's more. <laughs> Let me tell you yesterday how I almost died. <laughs> wait, it gets better. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly the stuff. That it, it's hard, and that's where you know I, I I like to have conversations about having difficult conversations. They're vital, right? If if there's a pain point, if it's something that makes us go, it's probably a conversation we need to have, 
Right. So the ability, you know, growing that environment, that learning environment, which folks can be honest with you and being able to, to hear those things. That's exactly the feedback that we need. That's exactly the stuff kind of getting back to focusing on the stuff that really matters. Yeah. We don't get there if people aren't comfortable with giving us anything other than the fluff. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they give us the, yeah, you know, we could use better. Yeah. You know, I, I, that ladder over there. Yeah. You know, but Every, no, we always follow the rules. That that pre, I love the great job in that procedure. I love it. it's perfect. If you're hearing that stuff, you know that we're not down in the meat of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you're, you're, getting, you're getting bullshit at that point. Yeah, but that, that's where you 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 want that kind of gnarly, meaty stuff. That's going okay. I get that. Um, you know, and I don't I don't see any problem with saying that scares me. Yep. <laughs> yep. But keep, give me more. Let's. The fact that it scares me, I know that it probably scares you too. That's probably why you're bringing it up. Yeah. Let's figure out how we can make it not so bad. Yeah. You've probably thought about ways to make that better. What, yeah. what are your ideas? Uh, you know, and- well, and it's amazing to see. It's amazing for me. I, I, I'm amazed by how innovative our employees get when we let them. Yeah. When, when we empower them, we give them some authority. We allow them to get creative and adaptive, and they may they come up with fixes that absolutely blow my mind to problems that I'm sitting there that many of us have looked at for years, going, "How in the hell do we do that?" And they go, "Easy. Let me show you. I've been thinking about this for 20 years. I've been dealing with this for 20 years, but nobody's listening to me." Yep. Yep. It's amazing. So, well, I, I anticipate. <laughs> my hope is, and what I anticipate is that. I, I light a fire under these guys and all I have to do is get out of the way. Um, you know, that's, that's what, and there'll be some things that are big money and we may not do right away, but there's a lot of things, like you said, they, they've thought about it standing out there eight hours a day for how many years and yeah. uh, for somebody to finally listen to them, I think is going to be encouraging to them. You know, for me, learning teams, um, th- that's been my experience with it is when you when you start pushing that rock up the hill people start to see value in it again as, as, as long as you're going down the path of kind of applying them through the lens of obviously with our hot principles in mind and kind of all that stuff kind of those those underlying assumptions kind of coming from the right position when you start pushing that rock people start to see value in it almost immediately leaders see it as okay I'm a leader and I've in, in most of our organizations, I'm the leader. I supposed to have all the answers, right? Yeah. Now I'm in a position to where I can look at this and go, okay, I can do these with my crews and I can tap into their immense knowledge bank, right? As safety practitioners, we look at stuff post event and rather than going, okay, I'm going to sit here and do a four, 14 day root cause analysis. Wait a second. I can actually have the people that were involved, those people are the most invested in solving the problem because it happened to them. And we can go down this path of learning about all that stuff that surrounded the event that we're just talking about higher ups in the organization, again, see the same value because they're seeing this as wait, we can actually be a learning based organization. We won't just say anymore. We can actually tap into all this knowledge. So for me, I've seen that that kind of happen. It kind of starts kind of just slow for a few minutes almost to where you're kind of doubtful that it's going to go. And then before you know it, you're going to have your phone ringing off the hook going, Hey Brent, can you come down and help us facilitate a learning team? (laughs) (laughs) I've I've 
talked with our leadership about this is not just a safety thing. You know, right. we can get productivity out of this. We can get better quality out of this. You know, if we if we have uh, quality spills that are that we have a corrective action, but it doesn't correct it, and you know, but maybe with learning team we can. Um, well, you you come up you come up with such better actions as well, right? I mean, because so many times it's 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 one of us, and when I say one of us, a safety professional, right? And some higher level managers in a room or plant managers or something like that, maintenance manager, operations, you know, that, that kind of level of folks sitting in a room, plugging in corrective actions into an Excel spreadsheet. And we're just kind of kind of pulling them out of the air and kind of what sounds good, right? right. Makes sense to us. But then a lot of times they so often don't ever fix the problem or they have not so great unintended consequences. You know, the folks that actually have to live with that stuff, the folks that reside within that system that we're trying to manipulate, they have the best actions because they live with it every single day. Yeah. They know what will fix the problem. Well, yeah, and they're, they're the ones that can tell you, well, we do if we do that, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, those consequences that we don't know about because we're not there every day. So I, I, I really am pumped up and excited about this. That is awesome. That's so cool. I actually got my 2021 goals to – have uh, this implemented across all of our plants by the end of the year. So you'll be rocking and rolling, but it's exciting work. So that, so you're going to be in the position of needing to train. You need, you're going to have to start thinking about training facilitators. Yep. Cause yep. You, you are, you are one Brent. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. You know, we've got um, two of us have gone through a, a learning teams implementation course uh, out of Australia. And, yeah. Uh, recognizing from LinkedIn, I'm sure, but uh, it's been pretty good given a, a playbook and some tools to, to organize and prepare and plan. And uh, so we've got two of us. And, uh, we'll, once we uh, get two off the ground, then we'll start bringing in some other people and um, uh, start doing kind of training the trainer. We, you know, come in and co-facilitate, uh, take, be the note taker or something and, and learn how to do that. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I ain't going to try to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, what else? Anything? Any, what's? Uh, do I, I'll give you the opportunity for the uh, the the uh, last words. You got anything else oh, that you want? I didn't even think about it this time. But, uh, <laughs> anything in your heart or mind? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say like I always do. Just uh, safety practitioners or safety professionals, however you want to do it. We just gotta we gotta keep sight of the, the fact that we our job is to serve people. You know, it's not the liability. Yeah, there's protecting the company's part of it. But when you come down to it, if you protect the people, you protect the company from liability. So those are not separate and equal things. And, uh, you know, keep caring about the folks. Um, it's all about them, not about us. Uh, never about me. I, I don't I don't like to take credit for our success or um, it, it's, you know, I'm not out there doing the work, so I don't get credit for the success. I, my job is give them the tools and resources and uh, that kind of stuff. But um, uh, remember, it's about the people, not about us as safety pros. And I think that's that's the best we can do. Huge. Always, always dropping words of wisdom, Brent. It's always appreciated. Any, uh, again, what, what's the what's the name of the podcast? How can people find it? How can people find you? Uh, safety Reflections. It's um, on, I think if you uh, look for Safety Reflections on any of the, the podcast things, uh, it's through Soundforge Digital. It's mm -hmm. the, uh, Linda Martin's uh, uh, platform that we go through or um, uh, 
just look for me on LinkedIn and, and uh, send me a connection invite and then it'll pop up when, uh, when she posts those things. So awesome. Yeah. And I, again, highly, highly suggest that folks go over and subscribe to that because it is, it's an awesome way. It is an awesome way when I'm, when I'm jumping in the car, getting ready to head to a plant, getting ready to head to do something to kind of just give that quick little, quick little safety boost. And it's a couple minutes and just always, always thought provoking, always on point. Well, thanks. Thanks for the plug. And uh, yeah, if it uh, provokes some thinking, that's, that's all I want. I don't care. I don't even care if you agree. If it yeah, just <laughs> Sometimes it's more fun if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out, my friend. It's always yeah. good to see you. Always... Well, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. I can't let you go yet until you give us a quick tractor update. Oh, tractor we update. forgot tractor update. So you, you got to drop that. The tractor's coming together. Um, all the frame, engine, seat, all that stuff is painted. I'm just waiting for my wheel rims to come back from the sandblaster, get them painted. And I started on the uh, sheet metal parts, grinding old paint off of those uh, before I headed on this trip. So we're probably uh, two months out from firing that up. Um, it would run right now, except it doesn't have a gas tank on it. So yeah, we're getting close. You'll be, you'll be out working the fields in no time. Yep. <laughs> You have to keep us posted. What we'll have to have another update. Yeah. My goal there's a there's a big uh, show in Rantoul, Illinois called uh, Half Century Progress, where we actually work a lot of the old equipment as well. Show it, and my my goal is to be ready for that uh, that show in mid August. How cool! Well, that is awesome to hear. I look forward to seeing it uh, seeing it fired up and rolling around. You have to post some videos once you once you get on. Oh, yeah, yeah, most most definitely, most definitely. Well, thanks again, my friend. I appreciate it. Well, 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 what did you think about it? I know I liked it. I loved it. I got to have more of it. I'm going to go back and listen to it again. It's just fun. It's always a good time to get to sit down and talk to Brent. He's just a wealth of knowledge. And on top of that, he's just a super great person. He's out there fighting to try to make safety suck less. And I, I, I don't know, for me, that, that, that's big. That's a big one. So nice, knowledgeable, and trying to make safety not suck. I don't know if it gets any better than Brent. I just, I have a ton, a ton of respect and admiration for Brent. I'm loving what he's doing over on Safety Reflections. Make sure that you go check that out. You go follow along with him. If you're following this podcast, you should definitely be following his. When you get tired of my like 30 and 40 minute long rants, you can go listen to Brent give clear and concise stuff in like three minutes. <laughs> so it, it kind of works out well. I think they'll pair, I think they pair nicely together. Let me, let me say that. But that's all I've got. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I can never feel like I'm saying that enough. Thank you for all the love, all the support. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. If you're not following along in the vlogs, please do so. Go check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe. New videos pretty much weekly. Let's just say, just call it for what it is, pretty much, mostly, mostly weekly. And of course, Safety Sucks, the manifesto is coming out in May. I'm super excited to bring this book to you with my dear and dear friend and now co-author, Ian Allison. I'm super excited for it. I know you are too. I've been getting a ton, a ton of DMs and comments and emails and calls about the exact date that the book is coming. And I'm just going to say, mid-May. <laughs> Let's just say that for now. But that's all I've got. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, signing off. <gasps> bye, everybody. Bye.